Welcome everyone to another episode of Where Is This Going? Before we get into it today, I want to please remind you to follow me on Instagram at felix.levine if you haven't done so already, as well as my YouTube channel that you can find by searching my name, Felix Levine, on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to that, and there you'll be able to find every episode in its full video version, as well as smaller clips and highlights from those episodes. I also want to urge you, if you haven't done so already, to take a quick second, if you're listening on Apple's podcast app, to rate and review the show five stars. That would mean a lot. And my next guest, he is a Palestinian influencer and entrepreneur. Please welcome my brother, Marwan Abdel Hamid. And we're live. I'm here with uh, my brother Marwan. Marwan, dude, I mean, for people out there that uh, that are listening, this one's actually quite special to me because you, as opposed to, to many of my guests before, I don't, I've never met them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are, uh, you're a dear friend of mine. I haven't seen you in, in literally, I think, about two years. Yeah, it's been two And years. the way that we met is, is funny also. Um, but we'll get into that because we'll be here for a couple hours. But, uh, dude, I'm happy to have you on my show. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm so excited. It's the first time I do, like, a video podcast. Cause you, yeah, because I saw some of the, the other shows you're on, and it's all virtual with mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. pandemic times. Yeah. So I told you a few seconds ago, um, there's a little tidbit, a little story that's meaningful to you mm-hmm. so that the people out there can get to know you a little bit better. Amazing. Um, hit yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. So my name is Marwan Abdel Hamid. Um, I'm Palestinian. My origins, my background, it's a bit uh, complicated. So my mother's half French, half Algerian. My father's half Serbian, half Palestinian. So I'm a very, like, it's just a mixture of all these different cultures. And it plays a big role in my identity. I've always struggled with identity. Um, But I was born in Jerusalem. I grew up in Gaza, the Gaza Strip, until 2007. Born in 2000. Until 2007, I lived in Gaza, which is basically an open-air prison. And in 2007, we had to leave due to a civil war. We went to Jordan. And then I grew up in Jordan, graduated high school, came to the U.S., joined the frat, and I met you. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, (laughs) we'll start there. Let's start there. Start there, man. So as people know, I went to Santa Barbara Mm. my freshman year of college. And uh, Marwan is is currently at Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. I transferred out after my first year. I got out. Yeah, he didn't like it. Marwan (laughs) stayed. Um, And But the the way that we did meet, and as striking as it might be to to some people, we don't don't strike people, I think, as the general frat type, frat boy type, I would. No, man, I'll tell you, like, I joined because I didn't, I thought that's what you had to do. Literally, that's what I thought. We had, you have to join the frat, and you have to. Bro, it was my third day in America. Me, th- well, yeah, it was my third day in, in Santa, Santa Barbara. Barbara. For me, America. That's crazy. Third day in America, and I. Well, went you had to never the, been to America before this. No, I had, but it was my third day living in America. Okay. And I did the rush thing, and then, and then we joined that. We're not gonna say names, right? But like weird, bro. <laughs> I hope they're not watching this. It's they not might. weird. It just was not my vibe. There's a couple that I love. Yeah, me shout too. out to Dion. Yes, um, <laughs> yes, sir. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was. I think we we're in the same boat. I think we both never really knew. Um, I think we both didn't expect to join frats. 
Uh-huh. And I think that when you go to a new place, and for you, like, you're literally living in a new country for the first time, so that's mm. even more different than my experience. Yeah. Um, but you're trying to make friends and, you know, find a way, and it seemed, yeah. it seemed like, doable. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> Marwan and I ended up at the same one mm-hmm. um, in Santa Barbara. And we would talk shit about And we would talk shit in French, because mm-hmm. we both speak French. As he mentioned, his mm-hmm. mom is um, uh, half French. Or your half mom's French, half French? Half French, yeah, my mom. And so... Uh, so I always felt, well, you were the one reason that, that kept me in there probably yeah, I remember <laughs> for, for like four weeks. Four weeks. Um, and, and Dion was the other. So mm-hmm. shout out again to Dion. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's funny now looking back on it. And the Very fact cool. that, we're, that we're both here right now. And yeah. I always knew um, from when I met you, uh-huh. I think, you know what I remember? There's one time we were, <laughs> I think we were... Uh, cleaning the front sidewalk yeah and i had asked you like what you wanted to do because i could tell as opposed to some of the other individuals that i'm not gonna name that you had a very big drive Mm -hmm. and that you um were passionate and smart Mm -hmm. and i could tell that no matter what you were gonna do was gonna be successful and that that i i I wouldn't say it if i didn't mean it Mm -hmm. and i asked you what you wanted to do and i think you said something in the realm of uh either prime minister of Palestine yeah. or something. President. Right? President. I mean, we don't have a <laughs> prime minister. We do have a prime minister, but I just wanted that. I was in a different mindset then. I just wanted to represent my people. Right. And I still do, but I've found a lot of different ways to do that that's not involved with politics. Politics is very messy, especially back home. But yeah, that's uh, it's always been since I was 13. I'm like, I'm going to be president of Palestine. That's what I'm going to do. So where did that... Um, that... that uh, how do you say it? That drive and love for Palestine and wanting to represent your people mm. first come from? It came from living there. Yeah, I, I grew. I had the privilege of growing up in Gaza because a lot of Palestinians don't have the privilege of ever visiting their homeland. You know, like a lot of Palestinians in the diaspora, there's around, we, we're 11 million people, you know, um, worldwide. And a lot of them have never visited Palestine. They're not allowed to. And I was able to live there um, even though I'm only one-fourth genetically Palestinian, I'm completely, my heart is completely Palestinian. I mean, you see all these tattoos and stuff, like I'm just a completely you have Palestinian. You Palestinian pa- passport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's complicated, but I do have a Palestinian passport. And the drive to represent my people just comes from a love, uh, a love for the people and also this eagerness, or not eagerness, this um, responsibility that I feel to fight injustice wherever I see it. As a Palestinian, I always say this, we have a responsibility to fight injustice, which is why, you know, we sympathize or South Africans sy- sympathize with us, why we sympathize with, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement here. There's all these connections and it's always about fighting injustice because we are on the receiving end of a lot of injustice and it's always been for me like what else do you want in life you know we're humans we're meaning seeking creatures and as a palestinian i feel like we have our meaning our meaning is to fight injustice now remind me you you were born where were you born in jerusalem palestine okay and then you lived there until 2007 i lived in gaza in 2007 and then where'd you go from there jordan and how long it's a neighboring country 2007 2018 so like 11 years Okay. Yeah, that's where I was like brought up in Jordan. The, the the funny thing is I grew up playing football, soccer, and I played for this team that was a refugee, a Palestinian refugee camp team. So and like I would go every literally almost every day to the Palestinian refugee camp and interact with refugees on the daily. So I still had that connection to Palestine because they were all Palestinian. 
you know? And in Jordan, there's this weird identity crisis in the country because most of the population is Palestinian, of Palestinian origin. They were, just, they were kicked out of Palestine in 1948. They had to leave to Jordan. And um, so there's this divide between Jordanians, like purebred Jordanians and Palestinians, even though Palestinians constitute a majority in the, in the country. It's a very weird dynamic. And so Jordanians kind of sometimes make you feel like you are not part of the country. You're Palestinian, you know, even though we can't go back to our country, um, which is kind of funny. But yeah, I, I always had this bond with Palestine, even though I haven't been back to Gaza since 2007. I'm not allowed. Yeah. And so why are you not, why are you not allowed? Because we left illegally. So in 2007, um, there was kind of like a, a government overthrow. So there's two political factions, main political parties in Palestine, Fatah and Hamas. And there was sort of a civil war in 2007 to gain control over the Gaza Strip. Hamas overthrew Fatah and, you know, it was very dangerous for us to stay. There was a lot of things that happened with my mother and my father. My mom's not even Palestinian. And she was like, why the fuck am I here? You know, like car got shot at. So we, we lived in a, in a hotel because my father built a hotel in Gaza. The hotel got shot at. I mean, it was just very sus to be there in that time. I didn't understand that. I was seven years old, but we had to dip. I mean, it just wasn't safe anymore. It wasn't worth um, the risk. Even though Gaza is, to me, the most beautiful city in the world, my kids will be born there. But right now, I mean, we're safe here in New York City. <laughs> and so this that was the other thing that I that I told you even off air um, that I'm really excited about mm-hmm. on having you on is uh, you're going to... I think you're educating everyone, but right now I'm talking to you, so yeah. this will be more educational for me as well. Because I think that um, what's beautiful, also I think in your in what you're doing now, and obviously you know I see all the stuff on social media, and I and I was waiting to to have you in front of me to to hear more about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Is through all the different things that you're doing, it's all I think tied back to that ultimate goal of mm-hmm. helping the Palestinians of alleviating people. suffering. I think that's the main goal because. When you see suffering firsthand, it's different than just hearing about it. What know? kind of suffering did you see firsthand? You, you see the conditions that people live in and the, the lack of hope. That's the thing that kills me, man. So it's descri- like, describe the conditions first. I mean, where in Gaza? Or, yeah. I mean, in Gaza, it's just right now, I mean, the poverty, poverty is around 55%. Unemployment is also 45%. The suicide, you know, you don't really talk about mental health in these kinds of right. places. It's not... Um, it's taboo in Gaza, but also, you know, you step out and then you think about there's a generation of kids that have grown up with PTSD since they're literally three years old because they've seen their parents get killed and bombs, their brothers, their sisters, and they grow up with PTSD and they grow up with all these mental health conditions. And they can't talk about it and the world doesn't care. Right. So then in Gaza, it leads to a situation where you have around 85 percent of the population that has stated that they have thought about killing themselves, suicide. 85% of the population, 2 million people in this little dense, densely populated area, and they all would think about killing themselves, which is crazy, man. And mental health, Yanni, it's a very, very important um, topic that I think we never discuss because it's, for some reason it's taboo back home. But our generation now, this is interesting, I always say this, our generation, we've grown up in an era where we can see other people suffering, which is different than our parents, because you can go on your phone and you can actually empathize with someone that you've never met. You can empathize, you can understand. I can go on my phone and I can see George Floyd and I can be like, oh my goodness, I understand why they're doing this. With, you know what I mean? Our parents didn't really have that. They didn't have the constant updates and like videos. You know, you see videos of the police being the shit out of protesters. You're like, oh my God, 
it's different. So our generation, I think it's cool because we have this thing called empathy. And I think empathy is beautiful because it helps you understand um, a lot of things about other people that you wouldn't have um, if we didn't have technology. That's so you think, the... you think our generation is more empathetic? A hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the, the, the downside of technology is the just the business model of social media, the way that you have to show ads and you have to keep the users hooked right. in order to make money. But don't you think that has made us also very numb at the same time? Like how many times have we seen, and I mean, the George Floyd was especially gruesome, uh-huh. right? But they're all equally as bad, you know? Yeah. But we see them and, and of course, there's that moment of, of crazy sadness. Mm-hmm. But then it almost feels like because social media is so easy and we can scroll and we can see that we've become, at least personally, the way mm-hmm. I see it, yeah. we've become quite numb to okay. a lot of a lot of sad things that sure. maybe, you know, if we were in front of them, we would have more mm-hmm. reaction. Yeah, I, I get that point. But I will counter that by saying that our parents didn't even have the yeah, videos. In front that's of true. Them, right. And so the fact that we've gotten numb is a problem within itself. But I think it's a better problem to have than not even ever understand. No, yeah. For example, Armenia, Azerbaijan, right. you know, no, like you think our parents would have known when they were our age, what's going on in Azerbaijan? Right. No. And so I think what's wrong with social media is just, the, it's literally just the business model. And I think that technology can be humane when you switch the model from time, well, time spent, right? That's their model, Facebook, Instagram, they just right. want to stay. So then they manipulate you and then they use these dopamine tricks to keep you hooked and stuff. And it's, it's an addiction, right? right? When your parents blame you for your, like, I always remember my mom was like, oh, you always on your phone. And I thought it was something wrong with me. And then you check your screens. But on. then I realized, yeah. And then, but then I realized that it's, it's designed to keep you addicted. Yeah. And I was what, 14, 15. Of course I'm going to get addicted. It's a, very easy to get addicted mm-hmm. at that age, you know? And it's, it's, um, it's a byproduct of the business model. So if you switch the business model from, okay, we have to, you know, it's attention. What they're selling is attention to advertisement. And, and right? if we switch it from time spent to quality time, of time. Time well spent is what I say. Right. And that's what we're trying to do with Grow Home, okay. which is my business. And so we can talk about talk, that if you want. Talk, talk please. So Grow Home, it, it's really, it's a culmination of like everything that I am passionate about. And basically, I always say this, you know, is as a, one word? Grow home, one word, one word, grow home. And basically, I'll give you guys a bit of background as a diaspora. So Palestinians were a very large diaspora. Diaspora means um, someone that's living outside their country of origin. So Palestinian living in the US, I am a diaspora. It stems from, you know, the original Jewish exile from Babylon. And as diasporas, we acquire we acquire a lot of resources, both intellectual and financial that we're not using for the betterment of our people back home, back home like there's a lot of palestinians working at google for example that you know like they have all these skills and all this money and they're just not doing shit you're saying palestinians that work at google in the, this country yeah in the u.s and okay. germany and wherever okay. we are right where, where there's a bit large palestinian diaspora especially in, in latin america as well in like chile uh, in brazil argentina but also in the u.s and the uk in australia and in the gulf countries but what we want to do at Grow Home is we want to harness the power of the diaspora. So what we've created is we've created a platform to connect diasporas with intellectual and financial resources to entrepreneurs back home. Because in Palestine, there's a very big and booming entrepreneurial ecosystem. And I think as you know, entrepreneurship, you're solving problems. That's what you're doing. You're solving problems and you're generating revenue. And I am all for entrepreneurship is so cool. And it's a relatively new concept, right? You know, just building something and making money. And so 
what we want to do is we, there's people that want to help. I call it survivor's guilt. Diasporas, we want to help. You know, I go how to help Palestine on Google. What comes up? Petitions. Uh, I can share something on my Instagram story. I'm very limited in what I can actually do. So what we, you know, said is what better, like, a thing, something that you can do that's not very hard is to, number one, promote entrepreneurship, but also give all the things that you've acquired to entrepreneurs back home so that they can actually make a change. In, because who's better suited to solve a problem in Palestine? Is it the Swiss International Bank or the international agency or is it a Ghazawi? The, the Ghazawi knows what, what, what Gaza is facing and how to solve those problems. For example, Majd Masharawi. She's a Ghazawi entrepreneur. She created uh, this thing called cake, cake Box, Green Cake Box, I'm pretty sure. Or no, Green, green Cake Mix. And it's basically... Um, a replacement for cement because in Gaza there's an economic blockade you can't import or export anything right cement is very hard to get in and what she created is a mix that's made from rubble and ash that's very cheap to make and it's also you can build houses out of rubble and ash isn't that insane wow. and she's making money now and she like went to Japan and all this shit so what I'm saying is imagine the human capital that can be unleashed from connecting a Palestinian business exec working at Google in Silicon Valley with an entrepreneur in Gaza. Okay, so explain how that would work. It's a platform. It's literally, you, you get on, and right now we're an MVP. You know, we're, we're, we're going to be launching our first product in January, inshallah. And basically, you, you log on as a diaspora, so you're, you're French, right? Okay. Let's say France is, is on the thing. You would log in, you say, I'm French. I have these kinds of skills. I work in, in this industry, and I want to either collaborate, I want to mentor, and I want to potentially fund. When some of these entrepreneurs, our algorithm kind of picks all that up and pushes out opportunities that are coming from back home. So let's say I'm a TikTok star, right? I have four, like 40,000 hey, followers. I, I know. I, I was watching a TikTok the other day. <laughs> yeah. The, the day in the life. Yeah, day in the life. <laughs> let's say I'm a TikTok star. I put TikTok, and then someone in Gaza is like, oh, I'm looking for someone on TikTok to promote my business. Okay, I've actually helped out back home, right? I've actually helped this guy or this girl do something like i've i've contributed mm. and that's what we're looking for we're looking to contribute and you can go to any you can go to people that are from albania that are living abroad you can go to people from india ireland everyone wants to help out back home so we're kind of number one democratizing opportunity right. that's what i call it because i'm not better or smarter than anyone i just had an opportunity to leave Gaza to come here mm -hmm. you know it's all about opportunities right. and opportunities they're not uh, they're not like on clouds they're attached to people right so if you actively connect people that are looking to help and that are creating things, the human capital that can be unleashed is actually, the potential is, is, is very scary. Scary in a good way. Right. It's, it's huge, man. And so what are, so how did this idea kind of come about? Because I'm the user. Like I am the end user. And me and my co-founder, Timothy Mott, I hope uh, he's watching this. He, so he had the idea of, you know, these entrepreneurs and these developing nations, they don't have any opportunities. Let's try and help them. That was the initial idea. And then as a diaspora myself, I really, I was like, we need to focus on the diaspora. You know, we need to focus on creating these connections between people that are living outside the countries of origin that want to help. Because you go to any Palestinian, you say, you want to help Palestine? They'll be like, of course, right? So you go, you, you connect the people that want to help, once again, with the people that need the support, basically. Mm. And I'm the end user, man. I don't know how to help Palestine. It's so annoying. Like now I do through music and stuff, but like the average person is very limited in the, in the things that they can do for Palestine. 
Now, as someone who's growing, um, as a young person who's growing an idea like this, mm. what have been some of the, the challenges um, that you've faced? Cause I'm sure that there's, there's a lot. As, a, as like for a, for a business? From a, from a business perspective. Mm. Uh, what's been a challenge? Honestly, one of the, I would say one of the biggest challenges is sort of nailing down business models. Because when you're a social impact driven business, you're like, oh, I don't care about the money or whatever. But you need a right. solid business model. And we're still working on it. And we've kind of figured out. I don't really want to talk about it too much because it might change in, right. in tomorrow. Right. But it's um, you really for me, man, I'm not a business major. I'm like international relations. Mm -hmm. right? I've never done business before. And I learn as I go. You know, LinkedIn learning courses, talking to people. I take in a lot of information and it's amazing. It's amazing. But sometimes you haven't, you don't realize that you need a financial, um, financial projection sheet for the next five years for this. Or you need to, like, there's things that you don't know because I'm 20 and I, you know, I don't, I'm not very well established or well versed in business. But at the same time, it's so fun. It's right. so fun, man. It's like, this is what I, th this is what we're going to do. We're incorporated as a Delaware C Corp. We're an actual company now. Um, which is so cool. Like I'm a business owner, guys. I'm literally a business <laughs> owner. So, so what? So talk to me about some of those those fun aspects, those things that you've that you've loved or, or learned yeah. really as as you've gone. I mean, what's cool is that you're creating something that you you're working to create something that you've come up with, right? And then you're working. You also have that north star of like I'm helping people because you know. I mean. There's some businesses, it's, it's always cool to build a business, but when it's social impact driven, because a lot of people don't think that you can merge social impact and profit. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in that. You know, I'm a big believer that you can make money by solving real life problems, you know? And I think one of the issues with NGOs is that they're very donor dependent. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, like the, the donor is going to give us this much money so we can do this. And I know this fir firsthand because my mom works at the UN and she works more specifically at the, she used to work at the United Nations Reliefs and Works Agency, Palestinian Refugees. And in 2017, I think, or 16, Donald Trump cut $300 million in aid. Wow. And my mom had to travel personally around the world, 60 countries around, um, to recoup that. Remember, she went to like Japan, she went to Saudi, she went to all these places to try and recoup that $300 million. And wow. it took away from, you know, what they're actually supposed to be doing because they needed that money. So that's always, and the bureaucracy is just, I hate it. I hate bureaucracy in that, in that sense. So to build a business, I can do what, whatever I want to do, I'm going to do it. Right. And my, my team, whatever they want to do, they can do it. And we're all building something that's greater than us because we're helping people, but we're also going to make money, you know? So it's really, it's, it's such a new concept, social impact driven businesses. And, um, that's the future though. I mean, you look at mill millennials, the way that they spend their money, the way that they buy, it's all about, you know, social impact or yeah, thrifting is huge now. Mm -hmm. Why? Because fast fashion is a fucked up industry, right? And we see it through our phones. Our parents didn't care, but now we understand the, the the implications that fast fashion has, and so we're we're thrifting now. You know, so I think in the next ten years, if your business is not centered around social impact, you don't stand a chance. Like you really don't. That's, mm. that's just my opinion, but I mean, look at the trends and stuff. Now, how many people? So it's you. you it's said, me, my co-founder, and we have um, one, two, three. We have like four other people. We have soft, two software engineers, a marketing guy, and business and development. Her name is Zara. Shout out to Zara. <laughs> Shout out to Zara. <laughs> um, and so, okay, so where do you go from here? 
how do you yeah. so what so what's really steps? cool so we've been um we're working on the product which is you know a website and and like an actual web app where you can go and interact and make these connections kind of like linkedin and pre-mvp what we're doing is we've created events i call them palestinian shark tank i can't officially call them that because like of the trademark but basically i we invite three palestinian entrepreneurs or three entrepreneurs we're going to do a jordanian one next week i invite three palestinian entrepreneurs and and then they pitch their businesses to diasporas so we market it to the diaspora old and young whatever and then at the end of their pitch they say i'm looking for this this and this i'm looking for tech support i'm looking for thirty thirty thousand dollars in pre-seed and i'm looking for this and what's crazy we had one last week is that the diaspora is actually i mean i'll I'll show you this after but um we had an event where there was this uh this girl abir yunus she's creating kind of like a deep up in gaza okay and she said, you know, I need support in marketing and I need a contact in Saudi Arabia. And through this event, she got that. There was a wow. guy that was like, yo, Abir, I love your idea and I'm going to help you with marketing and I have a contact for you in Saudi Arabia. And um, there was another um, entrepreneur that was creating, developing a ecotourism platform. And he's like, you know, I need a lot of money. And my, uh, it was my father actually on the, on, the, on the call. He was like, yo, have you ever talked to the World Bank? And then the guy's like, no. And he's like, okay, I'm going to put you in contact with this guy from the World Bank because they really want to invest in ecotourism. So I think this is perfect for you. And just like that, he might be getting like $90,000, you know, just from that one phone call. And so imagine you could multiply that and go to different countries, Lebanon. I mean, the model is scalable to every single country in the world. Every country in the world has a diaspora. I always say, wait until we hit Somalia. Wait until we hit Nigeria. It's going to be insane, bro. Wow. Mm. Wow. Now, how could... How could someone who's listening to this right now like, damn, this motherfucker's got some good ideas. <laughs> how could how could they help or grow yeah. it or reach out or like, you know. I mean, just follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. We have a lot of content that's cool too. Like we make content that's catered towards either diasporas or entrepreneurs in, in the regions that we're focusing on right now, which is Lebanon, Jordan, and Palestine. So they can follow you. Follow, follow us them on, on Instagram, LinkedIn. At, at? At Grow Home. We'll put the. We'll put it. We'll put it. Up. At Grow Home. <laughs> yeah. And so, okay, so, okay, now question to mm-hmm. challenge you a little bit. Tell me. How is it different? I mean, I kind of know. Well, why would someone um, choose to spend their time on Grow Home as opposed to a LinkedIn? And how, mm-hmm. how, how much different is it? Mm-hmm. So, I can tell it's different, but I just want to yeah, hear yeah. the... This. No, no, 100%. It's a, it's a very valid question. The, the main difference is that on LinkedIn, it's a, it's a network. And, you know, LinkedIn Premium, they... they you, you pay yeah you pay for the network for the valuable like the valuable network the difference with grow home is that as an entrepreneur number one you're logging in and you have people that are actively seeking to help you on linkedin you don't really have okay. that dynamic but you go on grow home and you put you know i need someone to help me with marketing and then the value is in within, within the network of the diaspora that are actively looking to c- contribute their skills financial and intellectual Right. So there's a very different dynamic because the dynamic on LinkedIn is, okay. like I'm going to reach out to this person, hope he answers, hope she answers. Uh, I'm going to post this, whatever. But on LinkedIn, you can't. There is no like centralization of the process of connecting people in the diaspora to entrepreneurs back home because we're very clear and we only have two functions. Literally, as a diaspora, you log on and then you just have opportunities that have been curated for you. Um, based on the skills that you said you have and where you're from. You log on as a diaspora and you just have, this person is looking for this. This person is looking for this. This, You know what I mean? Mm. It's very different in the sense that like the dynamic of what you're going on to do is. 
I love LinkedIn. I love it. I use it all the time. We're not replacing LinkedIn. We're just creating another platform where people can go to make long-term sustainable connections with people from their homeland. Got it? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now what has what what do your do you talk about this stuff with your parents? Do yeah, they Of course. Yeah. What, what what's their reaction? Well, my father was on the on the Palestinian pitch night a week ago. He loves it. He loves it. My mother also loves it. Um I mean, everyone I t- talk to loves it. I mean, it's it's a really I, I'll say it, it's a very good idea, you yeah. know. And it's um it's very exciting and and every day I wake up and I'm like excited to work on it. When you know did you I mean? first start kind quarantine? Quarantine. Man, we we you made grinded. the most, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I remember I was telling you how I, I want to start a podcast and stuff, but I kind of tailored off on that. I started making a lot more music and I started working on Grow Home and that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And so what is the well they they go to your TikTok to find the day in the life, but mm. What is the day in life now like? I mean, you know, schedule wise to to try to because yeah. you're still so you still have to finish up classes. Yeah, I know, and I feel you. <laughs> we can talk about that. At like, time. kind of. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's online. It's not very difficult. I'll just do like yeah. I'll just do an hour or two a week, to be honest, and I finish it. I'm sc- school, and I, I say Santa this, Barbara, you, you take bro, three classes, bro. <laughs> school is not difficult for me, you know? And I've told my parents, I'm like, yo, let me drop out. But at the end, I have an F1 visa, so I can't stay in America if I'm not enrolled in my courses. So they're like, Khalas, just finish it, you know? Like, And so I'll finish it. I'll finish it. I'll graduate. No, I'm blessed, honestly, to no, be yeah. in the school. Yes, like, yes. I'm not going to say that, oh, fuck school. But, no, I know. I but know, it's know also exactly. not what, it's, it's not going to lead me anywhere. I know that my degree is not going to help me. Right. I just know it. I know that I'm going to be an All entrepreneur. Right. I'm going to make music, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also, you know, just to finish it. So wait, because I, I remember when I was at Santa Barbara, how much spare time I had. Bro. It's You have three <laughs> classes, right? Uh, I have four this semester, okay. I think. But like, generally, right. no, you're, you're on the court, you're on the quarter, trimester system. Mm-hmm. Trimester, mm-hmm. basically. Quarter, quarter. Yeah, but it's basically it's trimester. It's basically trimester. And so it's, so for people listening out there, if you want to go to Santa Barbara, this is how I'll pick <laughs> Santa Barbara. You're in a beautiful place, yeah. unbelievable weather. You have three classes yeah. that you you're only required to take three classes, mm-hmm. which most universities is four because yeah. they're on a, they're on a trimester system. Mm-hmm. But it's really like I remember how how much time I had. Yeah, I yeah. mean it's remarkable. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I can work on my music. I can work on my on my business and not even worry about school. But it, I mean, because I'm not in STEM too. The STEM right. people, yeah. to be, it's a whole different ball game. But I. Alhamdulillah, I'm not on stage. Have, <laughs> have you enjoyed? Uh, have you enjoyed Santa Barbara? Mm-hmm. Really? Bro, I enjoy everything. I enjoy everything I do. I, I, I'm not one to say like, oh, because it's all like about experiences. You know, like I enjoyed the frat experience, even though you look back at it, you're like, that was so dumb. I enjoyed it, man. I, I wouldn't did you, have... did you go to the other one? Yeah, I joined another one too. But are you still not? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's just weird, bro. It's, I was finding myself, guys. Finding myself. No, but explain that because that's also something that that we haven't really even fully, I don't think, fully spoken about. Mm. Um, well, there's there's that, but there's another thing I'm gonna talk to you about after. But in terms of like the the frat experience, or at least the college experience in the United States, um, because it was your first time when you came to Santa Barbara, it was your first yeah. time living in the states. Yeah. How different has it been than what you expected? Well, for me, like, the only thing I knew about frats is, like, the movies and stuff, yeah. you know, like, and and the reason why I chose the frat that we went to is just because it had a bit of diversity. Right, that's All true. All the others are so white, and I, and 100%. I came, and that's... it was my third day in America, and I just saw these guys like, yeah, dude, let's fucking go, and I was like, not my vibe. The one that we joined turned out to be, like, weird, 
And then I joined another one that was also, it was more diverse, but then you still have this overarching feeling of, as a non-white, I'm like intruding into your space. Oh, that, you know what I mean? Okay. It's annoying, man. But at the end of the day, you can let that, like do your thing. It's not. You, so you really, you had that feeling when you were. Always, always. I'm different. I'm like, not like you guys. I'm, I'm different. And they make you feel that way too. But and you not, felt like they, they made you feel like unwanted? No, not unwanted. No, but just different. Just different. And you didn't like. And it's fine. No, no. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just like it was a, it was a point that was always made. Gotcha. Yeah. Because I'll tell you another thing about Americans. They talk about nothing, bro. Yeah. I mean, they literally, like they, they yeah. talk and they talk, especially these frat and sorority people. They just, since, and I think it's to do with the fact that they've never experienced like adversity. Right. And so they just talk about nothing. They have nothing to talk about. You know, they haven't like, they haven't really reached that, the very surface level. Yeah. You know, and I'm not going to generalize, but that's been my experience at least where I have a hard time making conversation because I like, I'll start talking about like politics or like, you know, right. like, and they're like, oh my God, like, I got, I don't want to touch that with a 10, right. what is it? 10, <laughs> 10 foot pole. 10 foot pole. I'm like, okay, خلص, <laughs> don't touch it. <laughs> no, I think, I think it's that. And I think I always tell when people ask me, why don't you like Santa Barbara? Yeah. yeah it's like. It's like what you're explaining on steroids. And like and like it's this idea that um I felt I had the feeling that a lot of the kids that were going it's a great school, don't get me wrong. Mm. Um but you had a feeling that a lot of the kids that at least at least within the frat or the people that we were interacting with, yeah. um they did school to then go drink. Yeah, the, you know, like, <laughs> like they, they they only did things to go then have fun, and I'm all for having fun. Yeah, I think yeah. anybody um, with a pulse wants to have fun, but I think that there, there's no balance there, mm. and, and there was no there, there's no also like passion for anything, right? And right. there's no like there's no people like there's no driven people. That's why I'm so glad that I met my co-founder Tim, because he took me out of this rut. He was like, yo, like he because he saw the potential straight away. That but then he saw me you know, doing all this frat stuff. And then he was like, bro, you're going to drink on, on Tuesday, on the, you're done, 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 you know? And, and then I realized I was like, bro, I have to get back on track. And now I think that I'm fully on track. But before I wasn't. And I'm not saying that I regret it. I'm saying that these people are just not on track. Come a little closer. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. No, and I think to that point as well, and I've had this conversation, and I haven't had it with you, so I'm, I'm curious to get your take. Mm. I think that... Um, the thing that disap—I think disappoints is the right word. Yeah. Um. About I'd say college kids all over the country uh -huh. because that's who our friends are. Yeah. Um. You feel like they're going. You're so you're from eighteen to twenty two years old that you're gonna be in college for the mm. most part. Yeah. And it feels like they're wasting their most uh, precious years away. And think? and I think that for people like myself yeah. who have. Everything that they could ever want and more. Mm -hmm. I grew up comfortable. More like yeah. I have nothing to complain about. Yeah, the adversity here and there, but the issue really is that uh, is that for a lot of people, they go to college. They're gonna have it paid for it fully. Uh -huh. They're gonna have a uh, living situation paid for fully. Yeah. Eating everything they could ever want, mm -hmm. and they go and they waste. And they have. I mean, think about it. So we had so, especially in Santa Barbara, so much spare time. Mm -hmm. You go to class for maybe two hours a day. Yeah. You have maybe 45 minutes of homework. Uh -huh. And you have, you sleep for eight hours. So three plus eight is 11. Okay. 
there's 24 hours in a day mm -hmm. 13 other hours of that day okay you could chill and do whatever yeah. but like come on yeah, yeah. you know what i mean start something do something and that's yeah. why i think that's why i gravitated towards you and i think that's why i respect you and I, you know <laughs> you're the only per you're the only person i talk to from mm -hmm. santa barbara because i think you you picked up on that mm -hmm. and i think that part of the reason is because you realized uh, the opportunity that you had right yeah, and i think that it's sad that um a lot of kids our age don't mm. pick up on that. Mm. But you know? it's also, I mean, yeah. You're, 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 they, they go through yeah. the week to drink. Mm -hmm. That's the, the end goal <laughs> is to get drunk at the end of the week. Uh -huh. And then it's just a cycle. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. I don't know. I don't I, know what else to say about that. It's <laughs> just, no, I just, that's something that, that I that I rant about to, to all my friends. But, yeah, yeah. Because you're, you're my first guest that's in college that in this day and age too yeah um and especially with the pandemic i mean you you don't you don't even go to class anymore there's not even that hour that you spend going to and from but i'm grateful man because it like i'm just grateful to have met the people that i met right because without that i wouldn't be i don't think i'd be where where i am today like just to be in the states and stuff is so cool and like yesterday i was in dc for a business meeting like that's just insane so what was me. the business meeting for for grow home for for a lot of other things that i, I can't really disclose we could talk about it for, for dinner because i uh, you know but big big uh, business moves now i f <laughs> i also feel like um and i had watched which one did i watch mm. i think it was in july mm. you were on a podcast yeah i believe in july might have been june and okay. it was something in the summer okay um because i remember where i was i was with whatever doesn't matter uh and it was i believe correct me if i'm wrong it was a it was you mm -hmm. there was a me uh, mediator mm -hmm. oh you mean the debate the de debate uh -huh. a conversation conversation yeah, yeah. and i think the other it was like an israeli yeah two israelis two is it was two israelis yeah. Ad I, adar I, is israeli and so is rudy i might have seen oh i think it was rudy rudy rockman shout yeah. out to rudy um and i think what i what i loved about watching that mm -hmm. was how uh open-minded you are mm. and willing to listen especially on uh, a topic that's obviously means a lot to you mm -hmm. and secondly is obviously heavily debated yeah, yeah. and thirdly in in our day and age where uh people are quick to rush to conclusions yeah um for you to still have that open-mindedness yeah. and i think that that's pretty remarkable Thank you. so what i mean what has that been like because now you've taken on a little especially like you know the TikTok and the this mm. Cor correct me if you see it differently the not the role but um this i guess identity of a palestinian activist yeah i mean i would um would you say that i would say it's influencer okay i like the yeah. <laughs> influencer you like that activist I yeah. I don't know, man. I feel like I influence people. Okay, fair. Like I do, uh, straight up. Fair. And I, I, Palestine is such a big part of my identity that I don't, I don't even think about it. It just, um, and I was watching this reaction that these guys did to one of my songs, Jerusalem Freestyle. And they were talking about how in the song, they got to know me and they understood that Palestine was a big part of who I am. So it's not that I'm... Like how to say, I, yes, I'm an activist, but it's it's just ingrained in who I am. So mm -hmm. I don't want to say, oh, like, I'll say I'm an activist, but deep down, it's just, that's just who I am. And I can't really control that. So that means it's going to be, the rest of my life is going to be like this. And I've, and I've understood that. And also I'm, I'm, 
I'm very grateful because I can articulate myself well, mm-hmm. which I feel like uh, intentionally they will bring on people, especially like in this older generation, the American media will bring on people that don't really know how to articulate themselves in English, especially right. uh, to represent the Palestinians. And it's it just annoys me because I've never had, apart from Edward Said, who is a professor, at, he was a professor at Columbia University. I've never had like a role model um, as a Palestinian, you know? Mm. I've never had that. Like, I never looked up to anyone Palestinian, and it's such a shame. Why is that? Because we don't really have many people. <laughs> like, if you actually think about it. Like, yeah, we have Mahmoud Darwish, who was a poet, and there's all these. But for me, I just never grew up with that role model uh, until later on when I started to read a lot, and I really got into Edward Said's uh, literature and his work. Now he is definitely my role model and, you know, w- what I strive to be. But uh, growing up, and it's really funny because literally yesterday I had a, I try to answer all my Instagram DMs and I had a, a guy send me a message saying, you know, it's so cool, even though we're the same age, like I've never had a role model to look up to in terms of Palestine and like, and now I found you wow. and it was so humbling, man. And I get these messages and it just like, I'm like, fuck, I haven't done, sh- I haven't done anything. Like for me, I still have not done anything and already people are gravitating towards me. And that's why I say influencer because people come to me and they're like you know um i think this was over the summer this girl texted me and she was like i used to be ashamed of being palestinian and i watched your videos and now i can say confidently that i am palestinian and i will keep standing up for palestinian rights and i will never shy away from my identity again what more do i want in life wow you know what i mean that's be- but dude i'm it's crazy man it's beautiful and <laughs> i don't even want to say i'm proud of you because mm. you should be proud of yourself you know what i mean <laughs> Thank that's you. my mom. She always says that shit to me. She's like, yeah. I, I hate because that's the truth. Like, I'm I'm happy as someone who 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 is your friend and loves you. Yeah. I'm happy for you. you but man. I think that more you should feel good about what you're doing, because mm. regardless of, what, of of how um of how the uh, the platform goes mm. or where it goes, or if it makes money, if it mm. doesn't, mm. you've at least changed lives now. And yeah, you know, but crazy. It's crazy. It, and it's and it's crazy because you're yeah. 20. It's very humbling. And it's it's humbling. Mm-hmm. And I think that um at the end of the day, that's really what matters the most, you know? And also, as a Palestinian, I've never been taught my own history through the lens of a, of a, of a Palestinian. It's always been through a, through a really Western perception mm-hmm. of what it means to be Palestinian. Uh, Palestinians are always racialized, and, and, and it's weird, you know? You don't grow up... Like, I grew up in the American school system in Jordan. I went to a school called Americans, uh, the American Community School. You speak English there? Yeah, yeah, that's why. Well, that's why I'm fluent because right. I grew up speaking English. School is taught in English. Yes. Okay. And you can't speak Arabic. It's me and Edward Said have this in common because he went to school in in England, or no, he went to school in Egypt and it was a, a British school and they couldn't speak Arabic. It was considered like, um, it was just not allowed. You can't speak Arabic okay. in in uh, in class or whatever because it's disruptive. And I we couldn't speak Arabic too. Like you'd get detention if you spoke Arabic, which is insane to me, and. I've never been taught about Palestinian history. At school, it was considered controversial. You know, like the teachers couldn't talk about Palestine. They couldn't even teach us about Jordanian history, teach us about the fact that Jordan is not even supposed to be a country. You know, the fact that the borders are drawn by French and and English colonialists. We were never taught that. I was taught about the fucking constitution of the US and I was taught about the civil war and slavery and whatever. But never was I taught about my own history. And that's something that a lot of Palestinians that have a very surface level understanding of, and it's not our fault, you know, like there is this campaign that's been waged against us to rob us of our identity. That's why people call us Arabs. 
no, I'm not. We're Palestinian. There's a difference, right? And people, that's why I'm so open about it. you explain it. that difference for the people out there that... Of course, Palestinian is, is, is just like, it's an ethnicity and it's, if you are from this area of the world, you are a Palestinian. Arab is a ling, lingo, like it's, it's kind of like a cultural linguistic group of people. You can be Moroccan and Arab, you can be Palestinian and Arab. But when you say Arab, you're stripping us away of our Palestinian identity and our connection to the land. And it's done on purpose because a lot of people um, want to say that we do not belong in this land. You know, we've never been here. Oh, you guys just like the Palestinian identity was created in 1967 to counter the, the Israelis. Like you guys aren't a real people. You know, the prime minister of Israel in the 60s said Palestinians do not exist. Right. And their motto, the Zionist movement's motto was a land for a, a land without a people, for a people without a land. The people without a land were the Jews and the land without a people was Palestine. But that was, that's the farthest thing from the truth. We have been in this land as Palestinians for the last 4,000 years. 4,000 years, man. And, our, and it's not like we have this you know, genetically pure heritage of Palestinians. That's not how the world works. That's a very Eurocentric way of looking at things, right? Nation states, right. countries, that's very Eurocentric, right? So if a community does not subscribe to this Eurocentric standard of self-determination, you don't exist? What do you mean? What, what the fuck is my grand, great-grandfather? What He was living in Safad. He was living in northern Palestine and he was Palestinian, you know? And we don't learn about our own history because it's been, number one, a lot of the archives were confiscated in 1948 when we were, you know, taken away or when we were, when my grandfather personally had to leave Palestine due to the, due to the war and Israel's independence war, we call it the Nakba, which is the catastrophe, because 750,000 Palestinians had to leave their homes in the span of one year. Palestinian society was destroyed, right? And now that's why you have around 7 million refugees living all across the world. I'm, I don't consider myself a refugee, but you still have Palestinian refugee camps. Three generations. Three generations of Palestinians have been born outside of Palestine, and we still have that, hold that connection to Palestine. That should tell you something, right? But they try to strip us away of our identity and say that we're Arabs, say that we're, you know, Arabian or, or we're calling, like we, we, we came and we're only like Muslim too. Palestine, you can be Armenian, like there's Armenian Palestinians, right? There's Palestinians that came all the way from Africa, from Senegal. It's not um, this genetically pure heritage that spans. No, that's not how the world works. But we're Palestinians. We're a proud people. We have a very deep connection to the land. And that's what I try to do, you know, just on Instagram is to educate people. I'll do the nitty bitty, like the nitty gritty work of like reading all these things. And then I've been blessed with the gift of communication and like synthesizing information. I think I, I can do that very well. And I can disseminate information in the span of like three or four minutes. I'll read like five chapters, put it, put it down to two minutes. And, you know, people enjoy that. People are like, oh, my God, thank you so much for teaching me about the origins of the name Palestine. Thank you so much for teaching me about this or this and that. And I mean, I, I, I'm only starting, but that's, you know, as an, I think education is a knowledge. Knowledge is power. So I really that's what I look to do. And that's what I love is to spread knowledge about our own history through our lens, not through the lens of European, like Europeans or, you know, like our lens. And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in U.S. Wellness Meats. U.S. Wellness Meats has over 400 all-natural whole foods in their online store at uswellnessmeats.com. 
All of their beef, lamb, bison, and dairy products are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. They also offer pasture-raised heritage pork, free-range poultry, and wild-caught seafood. They specialize in every single diet under the sun and have hundreds of paleo, keto, Whole30, sugar-free, and AIP-friendly options. All of their foods are raised on family farms dedicated to sustainable and ethical principles, so you will never have any pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, growth hormones, or GMOs. They ship anywhere in the country for only $9.50 for shipping and handling, and most orders are delivered within 24 to 48 hours of leaving their facilities. Go to uswellnessmeats.com today, and when you use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, you'll receive 15% off store-wide savings. Again, go to uswellnessmeats.com, use that promo code PODCAST, and you'll get 15% off of every single order. Go check it out today. Now let's get back into it. So speaking of um, just going quickly back to that um, debate that I had watched. Yes. And with everything that you just said, how do you have a calm conversation with um, an Israeli Mm -hmm. about such a, you know, subject matter that's difficult Uh because it hits home. I mean, literally hits home. Definitely. Um, I think it's about intentions. So... You have to think about, okay, you're having this conversation. What is your intention? My intention is to change someone's mind. My intention is not to shit on you or to make you look bad. It's to change your mind. How do you change someone's mind? Are you going to change someone's mind by screaming at them? No, that's the first thing that you should not do if you're trying to change someone's mind, right? They automatically shut off if you um, if you insult their, their looks or their personality or say something. And then they're not even going to listen to your argument. And then when you're speaking, they're going to be in this defensive mode because... If they concede, they're going to lose a part of what they're saying. So then it doesn't even, it's not about the substance of the conversation. It's about like per, like pride and stuff. And I'm not with that. Like what I want to do is actually change people's minds because it's it's real what, what's going on. It's very real. And it's not about ego. I don't give a fuck. You know, I'm just trying to change your mind. And maybe you're going to change my mind. Maybe you're going to teach me a few things. Right. But yeah. So, I mean, if you're trying to change someone's mind, basically don't scream at them. That's That's my philosophy. And and for with regards to like I think so you said his name is Rudy I think I'd say yeah Rudy um you know how do do you guys have any conversations off off yes. air and yeah yeah and because he's very big like? he's a very big like Israeli activist he has a large audience especially especially with the youth and he told me I think this was two months ago he's like I want to invite you to have a conversation about Palestinian identity for my Israeli public because a lot of Israelis do not understand Palestinian identity and they've never been. Uh, taught about Palestinian identity. So you see the intentions, right? right? He has good intentions. We right. disagree about a lot of things, but he has good intentions, and that's why I talked to him. And I think that's, be- and that was one of the things that I had uh, really taken away from that discussion mm. was I was as impressed as I was with you. I was mm. also impressed with him because... He's great, man. He's great. You know, it's it's rare, especially in this day and age, it's rare and in this country politically, but that's a whole other conversation, that you can disagree with people and you can be friends and right. you can respect, like you respect him yeah, regardless of what he believes. You can disagree with him on literally everything under the sun, yeah. but you guys can respect each other. Yeah. And I think that, uh, first of all, that's refreshing, but it's also, it's good to see. And I think that quite frankly, I, I, that's the only way that you, you know, to progress mm-hmm. because I, I don't well, know. I mean, uh, it's one not, of, I don't think it's the only way it's well it's it's at least the communication standpoint yeah, i think screaming at each other you know that's never that's you're never right worked. but then there is also this um this aspect of power dynamics okay because i'll walk away from the conversation 
still not being able to go back to my country. Right. So right. exactly. And that's what I like. There's a there's a very big problem with like normalization, which basically means like Palestinians. A lot of Palestinians are not okay with having conversations with Israelis because you, you're you're normalizing the occupation. You're making it seem like right. all we need to do is talk, and then we're gonna be chilling and sing kumbaya. That's not the reality. The reality is there's a military occupation, right? And that needs to be addressed head on. There is the, there is a system of oppression that Palestinians have been you know, unwillingly brought into that needs to be addressed through international law. It needs to be addressed. You know, it's not only about having conversations. I think conversations are one way. But another way, in my opinion, is economic development. And we are so stifled. This I said this in my last song, in my new song that I dropped two days ago. I said, they stifle us economically, but fuck it, I'll buy the estate. And I really want us to start thinking like that because as diasporas, we have this power. If you, okay, this is a concept. If you stop thinking about Palestine as a geographical entity and you start imagining it as a global nation of 11 million people, you start to understand the power that we hold. It's, 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 I think it's a, it's a distinction that needs to be made. Ireland is a small-ass country. Yeah, but say more about that. No, but it's, it's okay. to go on to the point. Ireland is a small-ass country, but there's 7 million people spread across the world, right? They're so powerful. Their diaspora is insane. And so Palestinians, we have power. We need to channel it in the right direction. We need to help. I, it's Palestinian excellence, man. That's, that's what yeah. I say. We, Palestinians need to be helping Palestinians to alleviate suffering and to do everything that we can. I personally, I don't, I'm not looking to get involved politically. I don't have any political ambitions. You know, when I help someone, it's not because I want them to vote for me on this or that. It's purely out of a love for Palestine and the people and the land. And a lot of people have that love. So... I really, with Grow Home, that's, you know, now now I'm not doing really conversations with Israelis anymore because I don't think that it's effective. It's not as effective as I thought it would be. And so I've kind of restrained from doing that. And now I'm focusing on economic development within Palestine. That's what I'm doing. And there's other avenues. I'm not saying it's the only thing, but that's the thing about activism and stuff is sometimes people, like I got shot on because I didn't subscribe to someone's version of activism, which in just... I, the way I said it was, you know, I do not sus- subscribe to your ideology of preaching to your followers that already agree with you. Because that's the thing, man. Like some people just like post Instagram stories to people that already agree with them. I'm like, okay, what are you, right. like, what are you changing? You know what I mean? Like for me, the the reason why I did the, 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 the talk with Rudy is because I knew that a lot of Israelis would be watching it, right-wing Israelis and stuff like that. And unfortunately, they have the power. So if you can start planting those seeds, I think that's effective. Right. But at the same time, I, I sort of took a step back and now I'm working on Palestinians, helping Palestinians. That's really what I'm trying to do right now. And just educating ourselves about our own history. I think that is so important. And I learn every day, man. I'm not going to tell you I'm an educate, like a history expert, but it's so interesting to learn about. Now, for you, activism, um, yeah. because it's maybe not on, on par with how a lot of other people might go about activism, mm. um, how would you describe yourself as an activist? I think I just, I do what I love and it just, people find inspiration in that. I make music and some people would consider that activism because I talk about Palestine. I talk about important things. People draw, that's activism. People make speeches. People do um, community community organizing, grassroots movement, all that shit. There's a lot of different avenues for activism. The important thing is not to restrict yourself. If you say this is what we need to do, 
everything else is is bad, then I think you've lost. I think you've lost the as Palestinians, some of our most um, some of our our most talented individuals were poets, were professors, were artists. You know what I mean. So it's really important to encourage that and to not stifle the creativity because people are drawn to music, man. Like I, the way I think about it, I want to be like I want to be Drake, and then talk about Palestine. You know, like I have, I'll say this now, fuck it. I have a goal to go to every single country in the world and make a song with one artist from every country in the world, incorporating their culture and talking about Palestine at the same time mm. and making songs. For example, Malaysia, they love us in Malaysia, right? I want to go to Malaysia, make a song with a Malaysian artist or just, and, and then incorporate some Malaysian style of music, talk about Malaysia and talk about Palestine and solidify that brotherhood between us. You know, that'll go fucking platinum. That song when I do it, Pakistan, Algeria. Now, you know? do you also feel like um, I want? There was one point that I that I thought was quite interesting when you talked about don't normalize. Mm. I don't remember ex- the exact normalization. Word. Don't don't normalize. Yeah. Well, in that, by, I guess if you're Palestinian and you, um, I don't know exactly. What you said I want. I don't want to butcher your words. Yeah, yeah. But in the sense that. We can't normalize what's going on, yeah, right? Because yeah, then, yeah. then you just be you norm you're normalizing it, and then nothing's gonna change. I agree, right? Yeah. How do you not uh, normalize? How do you tell a Palestinian at home? I don't know if this is something you do or don't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't normalize. Yeah. yeah be yeah. active without you know. Yeah, I got you. So how do you tell a Palestinian don't normalize? Don't normalize what's going on, but also don't. Well, I don't guess I don't know if there's another part to that. The, the, okay, so that's tricky because you have Palestinians that are citizens of Israel, right? Like two million Palestinians are citizens of Israel. Some people are like, oh, those are traitors. You know, some people it's way cheaper for them to buy Israeli products inside Palestine. Are you going to tell a Palestinian that's struggling financially not to buy Israeli products? I don't know. That's a discussion, but. I, the way I see it is I'm not going to tell anyone what to do. I'm going to say, this is what I'm doing. If you like it, ahlo sahla. If you don't like it, okay. You know, but we still have that same goal, which is the liberation of our people, the alleviation of the suffering. And so this is what I don't like about our community, Palestinians, is, is we, a lot of the time we put each other down for no reason. Like it, it's annoying. Like I got called like a Zionist apologist for doing that. And I'm like, Yo, I'm like, we both have the same goal. Why would you try to put me down? You know what I mean? Right. Like, why would you try to cancel me over, over that? And it's so sad. But now I think when you start to see, comp- you start to not see it as competition, because I, I think that's what it was, is that um, people see it as competition. You start to see it as collaboration. I'm going to collaborate with you on this. And it's a, it's a very different dynamic. It's a very different dynamic. And it allows for a lot of human capital to be unleashed on the on the activism side at least. Now speaking of that, how is the now that you're on Instagram Live, shout out to Instagram Live. Mm. Um how do you feel like social media has played into it? Because I think that you've done a, a really a brilliant I'm I'm qu- honestly quite jealous of how well you're utilizing social media yeah. to, to grow your brand. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think, you know, that's a when you're starting something, that's a that's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. Um how do you feel like or what are you doing actively that you feel like has grown your brand? Man, I'm literally just making content and people like it. Like I, I wake up and then I have a hundred more followers and I, I haven't done, like I, don't prom- like I don't do marketing for my brand, except for Grow Home, we have like a marketing guy. But for myself, 
it's crazy. I just make content and I'll post things. My ratios are also really like I have thirteen thousand followers. I get like two thousand likes on a picture, which is really right. It's a good as, ratio. As way, you know? Yeah, and uh, it's it's cool because people are engaging with me. And the the thing, so shout out to Instagram Live, the people that are watching me, they engage with my content because I think they see themselves in me, you know. And th I'm saying what they've always wanted to say. A lot of Americans or Palestinian Americans, they're scared of the backlash of saying. The thing types of things that I say, and so they'll live through me, and I love that. Yeah, live through me, man. You know, I'll, I'll be your outlet, and I talk to everyone. Like everyone that sends me a message, I always, I, tr I really try to uh, to answer everyone and to have conversations. Like that guy yesterday that said I was his role model. I called him. He sent me that voice, and I was like, oh my god. I called him, and we talked, and I sent him my new song, and yeah, with social media, I just think that I'm really building a community that fucks with what I'm doing. You know? well, why do you why do you think it's why do you think it's resonated so much? Do you feel like it's a lot of people because we don't have like I'll be honest with you we don't have any Palestinians that are doing what I'm doing, and it's not to to brag about what I'm doing. I'm just saying I've never seen a Palestinian that talks about like Palestinian history or that makes music. Right. Maybe I may I, maybe I'm just completely missing the mark, but I think a lot of the reasons why people like what I'm doing is because of the lack of content, the lack of representation. You know, like it, I always say this, Hollywood never gave us a platform. So we went, you said, fuck it, we created our own. You know what I mean? Especially with TikTok. Mm -hmm. And TikTok is such a cool avenue to disseminate information in a really like fast way. And you can say what you want about the data privacy or whatever, which is really sus. But honestly, you think about it. I always say this, imagine Nelson Mandela had TikTok. Imagine Nelson Mandela could do an Instagram live. Yeah. Like just the possibilities of reaching that many people just through your phone is to me insane. And I need to utilize that. And I have been. And so, yeah, that's. And I think, I mean, the TikTok thing is, I, I think what's also, what I, what I love, what I love that you're getting the, the following on TikTok mm. is because, well, first, because it's you <laughs> and I'm happy to see that. But also, I think secondly, because you see all these TikTok stars that have done nothing. Yeah, bro, they dance. And yeah, but they <laughs> don't even dance. dance. Yeah, bro, yeah. come on. Some of these they swat, uh, mm -hmm. move no, no. their arms in three different kind of in three yeah. different directions. Yep. Um, but I think that you're uh, you're utilizing it more for the greater good. I see social media as a tool instead of just like something like you know what I people, mean. People people say it's like the devil. I don't mm -hmm. think it is. I don't think it is. I don't either. think it, I think the ways in which some of the you know the algorithms and some of the ways in which we utilize it can be devilistic yeah. but i don't think inherently i think inherently it's had a net positive on the world yeah you think so you don't think i couldn't say i uh, i mean I, I like how would you quantify that i mean i just think that we i mean we've never been more connected so for better or for worse mm. right mm. but i think that you know someone in pal who's living in palestine right now yeah. they're able to see what your life is like they're able to see you know what what's crazy bro Yesterday, I had a I had a girl that put me on her story, like the new song, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm Armenian living in um, in Russia, and I love your song, and I resonated with it." I'm like, what? Isn't that? And then I was looking at my Spotify for artists, bro, and I have 600 listeners in Germany. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you know, but like, it's crazy to think about. There's there's people that I've never met that are listening to what I'm saying and that are being inspired, right? And so in. in and what I always say is I'm so privileged and I'm so blessed. Instead of sitting back, I'm going to use to the full 
of its capacity, I'm going to use that privilege. Do you feel like you now, because you have more of a following and because more of a voice and people are listening, yeah. that it's, uh, is it ever scary or daunting or you feel more of a responsibility? And it's not scary, but definitely there's a responsibility aspect to it. But I've always had that responsibility. I've always had a chip on my shoulder. So it's nothing new to me. But do you feel like you need to filter yourself? I need to filter myself? Yeah, no, never. No, 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 never. And where do you think that, that chip on your shoulder comes from? I'm just being Palestinian. I think every Palestinian has kind of like a chip on their shoulder. Are you ultimately um, hopeful and uh, encouraged by what you're seeing? Do you yeah. think that there is, yeah. there is an what, end for, goal for Palestine, yeah, yeah, for you know, this, the, this conflict that seemingly even to people that aren't a one hundredth as knowledgeable like myself on you that you are on the mm. subject, um, do you feel hopeful that? Yeah, it, yeah very why? Hopeful. Because our generation sees suffering and sees injustice, and they they do something about it, you know. And I think there's it's not us versus them now necessarily because. I always say this, you know, there's 7 million Israelis, 8 million Israelis living in that land. We're not just going to, we're not, not going to kick them out. We're not going to kill them all, right? And that's, you know, for Jews, there's this deep generational trauma that they hold. And I understand growing up in Israel, for example, if you've never interacted or met with a Palestinian and all you've seen about them is that they're terrorists and you're fed this propaganda, I understand why you would, first of all, not believe that there's anything called Palestine. Number two, hate Palestinians. I understand it, right? But now what I try to do is I try to reach out. Instead of doubling down and saying, oh, fuck you, no, I reach out. And some people don't, but the cool thing- How do you reach out? By doing, for example, the talk with Rudy Rockman, we're talking about these things. People watch what I'm talking, people listen to what I'm saying now, which is so cool. And it's going to keep growing, uh, hopefully, you know. And um, I'm, I'm hopeful, man, because there's, our generation is just really different, in my opinion. And we might fuck it up, but my goal is to at least set up my kids for success, in this time. And I know my, my, my kids will do a great job and I want them to be born there and have the privilege of being born there. But when you stop seeing it as us versus them, you start to realize that, you know, okay, this is not a thousand year long religious conflict like some people want you to think. It's actually, there are solutions, you know, like a lot of like international law and et cetera, et cetera. There are solutions. Well, tell me. Well, uh, well, I'm curious not to cut you off, but what you... What's the solution? Well, not, not just what's the solution. But in your, while staying also realistic about the the situation, what is your ideal? No, ideal? I I can't I couldn't I couldn't tell you because, um, when the, there is like an agreed solution, I'll give my opinion. But right now we're just we're not there yet. Right now, what I focus on, as I told you before, I'm not politically affiliated, and I don't like to talk about the future like that. I think I think it's kind of. Um, way too like you, I, I don't want to ignore the reality but what i'm working on is economic development within palestine i think education and knowledge is power so when people come to me and start telling me you know palestine doesn't exist i know automatically what i'm gonna say and i'm gonna i'm gonna fuck them bro i'm not gonna let them say that and i'm gonna say it in a way where they can't say anything back and I will shut it down. And that's what I want to do. I want to arm the Palestinian youth with the knowledge to be able to counter propaganda. 
That's mm. that's one of my big big goals, and that's why I'm very big on history and stuff. Because when you have knowledge, you can you can do a lot of things. Knowledge is power. Mm. So my really what I focus on is even through songs is arming people with knowledge about our own heritage, about our own story, and I and it helps me learn as well because it gives me when I'm learning, it gives me this like I I need to do this because of this. You know what I mean? And I think um, do you are you familiar with Hawk Newsom? Hmm? Hawk Newsom? No. He's the uh, co-founder of, of Black Lives Matter Greater New York chapter. Oh, okay. um, he's like one of the main, I guess, faces of the Black Lives Matter okay. movement, especially these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's actually one of the only people that goes on on like Fox News and like, mm. you know, like debates like more people yeah, yeah, that you yeah. wouldn't expect. Um, and I had him on my show and um, and Josh probably remembers this too. He one of the big things that um, we had talked about is with regards to the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm is how important mm. and how much it would change if you just invested in these communities, mm, right? Man, I'm telling you, bro. Like, our it's, next it's, step is creating it's, investment it's, portfolios. It's all that, right? Yes. If you gave some of these um, poor poor black neighborhoods a billion dollars, mm-hmm. right? You invested in their schools. You invested in literally everything and in, in, obviously, better policing or some kind of But what I system. will say Go is ahead. that aid aid like international aid is dead right like the way that charity works is very it's fucked man the way that it works because everything is overhead costs right there's so many overhead costs there's bureaucracy once again and also there's people making decisions on behalf of these communities it's very paternalistic right okay so that's why investments is way better because investing you're like i believe in you and this is another thing that i wanted to talk about the power of someone believing in you and Mm. i've seen it because now i have someone that's very you know very successful in the in the entrepreneurial world and business world and he believes in me Mm -hmm. unconditionally it's khalas it's set he believes in me and it's given me the confidence to believe that i will be drake in the future or i will be the future president. Can you say this person on? Or no, uh, tell me after. Later, yeah, I'll, I'll tell, tell you later. But it's just crazy when someone believes in you and someone tells you, I'm, I'm going to give you the tools for success because I believe in you. It opens up this whole part of your brain that you never thought you 100%. had. Never thought 100%. you had, right? And so that's what I want to do. I want to democratize opportunity because as I said before, opportunity is not attached. It's not in the clouds. It's attached to people, right? And so let's say you had these people in Gaza one just one like life mentor one someone that believed in them and told them that they could make it and that they're going to help them and that's their life mission the world can change man i i always say it the connections that we are looking to make it to make it grow home can actually change people's lives forever hopefully that's the goal i mean for sure if that if it creates the opportunities that um that they need then yeah you're altering their trajectory forever yeah yeah now, there was one other thing that you had talked about earlier that I thought was um, super interesting yeah. that I wanted to touch on is uh, with regards to identity. Tell me. And you had said, I don't remember exactly what you said earlier. But you said I said that, I struggle with identity. I used to. There you go. I, I, do, I do. Because the way that I used to see it is like, so my grandfather from my father's side is Palestinian. Um, his mother is Serbian, fully. Right. And then from my mom's side, her father is fully Algerian and her mother is fully French. So I have these four countries, right? Countries, very Eurocentric. So the way of nation states, right? And I've always thought that like my identity was divided between these four, but I don't really have any real connection to um, Algeria and Serbia. 
apart from having visited and knowing the culture, I don't have that much of a connection. I grew up in the Middle East. I grew up in, in Palestine and Jordan. I'm very connected to that, to the Levant. And I also speak French at home. And I go to France every summer and, you know, my, my grandparents live there. So I'm very connected. I'm less so, but I'm connected to France. And then I started to think about identity and I realized that it, it's not about for it's not about countries. It's about like who you want to be. You know, identity can be, you know, I'm, I fight injustice. That's my identity. It doesn't have to be about um, about countries because I grew up, bro, and I was not like I go to France. I'm not French enough for them. I come back. I'm not Arab enough for them. So I'm like, where the fuck? Like, what am I supposed to do? You know? And it's something that mixed um, people that are mixed struggle with a lot. And and a lot of people reach out to me and say, "Yo, like, this is so cool. I've never, um, I've never. Th I thought I was the only one. I don't think there's anyone in this world that is Palestinian, Serbian, Algerian, and French. I, I'm not sure. I've, I haven't seen it so far. And I love it. I, I love being mixed. But also, it does kind of like. I, sometimes I wish like, oh, fuck, I wish I was just Palestinian. Like, I wish I had that big community or like, I wish I had a tribe. I wish I was this. But when you take away from the beauty, like you can't control these things. Might as well embrace it, you know? And so, well, I guess that answers my next question. But I don't know if, what are the ways in which that you um, have learned to embrace your identity? Because it's so cool. It's so cool, bro. Like, Especially yours, man. Yeah, yeah it's such so a great cool. Mix. I'm so blessed. Like, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be... Um, and people like I always ask them, where do you think I'm from? And I always get different things, and I'm like, that's so that's the funny. Craziest that's one funny. You, what's the craziest one? Uh, I don't know actually. Oh, <laughs> I was cutting my hair in in LA last week, and uh, this woman I knew she was uh, Iranian. I just off the bat, and she's cutting my hair. We're obviously hitting it off. She's this old Iranian woman, and I'm like, uh, her name was Faye. I was like, Faye, where are you from? She's like, I was gonna ask you the same thing, and I was like. Okay, where do you think I'm from? She's like, are you from Israel? <laughs> I'm like, oh. I was like, fuck, you're close. And then she's like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, Palestine. She's like, oh, Palestine, we love Palestine. I was like, yeah. And then I, I was like, you're Persian? She's like, yes, how do you know? I was like, I know. But yeah, that was funny. That was last week. I still think, so So the podcast, I dude, I, I think now with where you're at, I feel like you starting a podcast could be... Yeah, but know. bro, I have you a gotta, lot of other things. Yeah, exactly. I think so, that's the thing too. Maybe is, later. Is that you uh is, you know, not We do this is what we do. With Grow Home, um we kind of have like a live podcast. We have fireside chats. Yeah. So, last 2 weeks ago I brought in this guy called Kingsley Akins who is a diaspora expert. He's Irish and we just had a conversation like this and it was a webinar there was like 40 people. So that's kind of podcasts, but it's more related to to the business and diasporas and Next, on Tuesday, is it tomorrow Tuesday? I think yeah, so, right? yeah. Tomorrow we have Rawan Alawi, who is a Palestinian woman entrepreneur. She's great, and she's going to talk about uh, entrepreneurship under occupation, which is really cool. So that's kind of a podcast. Now, if I sit, so we're, oh, this will come out in like a week or so. Mm. Basically December 2020. Mm. December 2021, where mm. you hope Grow Home is at? Grow Home? Yeah. Um, I think we're going to be across the MENA region, so Middle East, North Africa. I think we'll have like like headquarters, hopefully in Tunisia, Morocco, but also in uh, in Syria and Lebanon. We really want to focus on the Arab world at the beginning. But the cool thing is um, it's a platform, so it's really easy to scale up, right? You don't need to do much. We just need teams in these different countries to kind of manage the entrepreneurs 
So um, we're going to be big, man, like in a year. But the, the one thing that I will say is that um, I don't like to plan that far ahead. I have no no clue what will happen, but I do have some goals that like kind of ground me. I mean, you know? think about where you were a year ago. Bro, right? what was I doing? What was it, 2019? December um, We were doing Afterthought, me and Tim. Afterthought was... Um, I remember, I think we got, we, we hopped on a call. Yeah. Remember, I think you had, we had talked about that. Yeah. Afterthought is like an international uh, affairs think tank, student-run think tank. Right. And yeah, I man. think ultimately it's like, it's, <laughs> even crazy. if it doesn't work, like even if these things don't work, you yeah, know what I mean? It's, it's, it's an experience. It's like, an experience and you're you know, learning from something. For example, I had Pigeon, so me and Tim tried that, to... It was the Pigeon, that was what you had called me about too. Yes, so we started Pigeon from like, we started in November actually, so th- around this time last year and we ended in March of, so we wasted we wasted five months of our lives, kind of. But I don't see it as wasted, right? Because right? we learned so much about business, about everything. And some people would be like, oh, but, you know, you, like it didn't work. But this is a thing that I hate about our community, especially in the Arab world, is that we see failure as something really shitty. Right. I love failure. I mean, I don't love it, but like this is what I always <laughs> no, I <know>. say. <laughs> what I always say is like you can only learn from doing things and then failing. And what you need to do is to fail fast and keep right. going and learn from your mistakes. And we don't have that in the Arab world. We have a system, for example, the education system. When you graduate, you have one test. C'est comme le bac. It's like the bac in France yeah, a bit where you have all order. your, you have like, but it's even more fucked because you have all your lessons in one test, like all your subjects. One test and it's like four hours, I think. Yeah, just to clarify for people who are listening, yeah. basically the baccalaureate in France at least is at the end of, I believe, your high school experience. You take one set of tests for like a week yeah, yeah. and it's like the most rigorous thing on earth and I, you can't basically go to college if you don't yeah pass. bro and it's the same thing in the arab world and i hate it and i think that education now is lagging because it's it's about knowledge transfer right that's what schools are it's knowledge transfer but this is a much better tool for knowledge transfer than right. any teacher and so teachers in my opinion teachers need to be focusing on um on on problem solving I think that's the, the thing that we need to focus mm-hmm. on and we need to start creating institutions that focus on uh, problem solving and solutions-based learning. Mm-hmm. For entrepreneurship, man, like you think about AI and all this shit, AI will not replace entrepreneurship. It just won't because entrepreneurship is solving problems. And so that's why I want to create a university. I want to have my own university and hopefully franchise it across the world. Um and it's mo- it would be modeled after the African Leadership University where they teach soft skills. Soft skills are what employers are going to be looking for mm. in two years, even now, bro. Right. You know, right. like it's really like it's soft skills, but it's important to know how to communicate. Really important. Well, I think we need more. We networking, need... bro. We yeah. don't teach networking. This, well, I think that, that's actually, I had this conversation with, I forget who, recently. Mm. Mm. But it's like a lot of these young people. Yeah throw the word networking the way they throw the word pencil yeah you know what i mean i was like i'm like what does it mean to network you added them on linkedin Mm. and you know what i mean how many other connections they have 1500 i think that we've especially in this country you value they because it's done and this gets to a whole other topic we don't even have time for but because because of the uh heavy capitalistic mindset mm. you're just valuing the paper degree at the end yeah, yeah. right and that paper degree doesn't even matter at the end so i think that key. there's a there's a big issue and, and i think this is the conversation going back to it um of what really matters of what we're getting out of our college experience mm. you know mm. is it when 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 people say oh but i'm going to the school and they have a sick network like 
what does that mean? They're for the right? frats too. They used to tell us. Yeah, imagine no. that. Imagine, they're, they're the ones setting me up with my yeah, jobs. Bro. Imagine, twenty-five year old who's still in college, whatever. Beyond that, um, but uh, but that's the truth. I think it's like what. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that's the truth 25 year old i'll we'll, we'll talk about who, who that is after but um no but that's the truth is yeah, that yeah, like what does it really mean to network who's gonna really have your back when you get out of school they right is it the, is it the person that that you m- match with on linkedin mm-hmm. <laughs> match mm-hmm. that you connected with on linkedin mm-hmm. or is it the person that you developed a true relationship what does developing a true relationship actually look like right we don't teach that in school. we don't teach that we don't teach and this is why i think that the the university idea we'll talk about that after too mm-hmm. is is really interesting. It's like, why don't we teach a, a class that is going to utilize the skills that people actually need these days, which mm. is how to utilize this. Mm. If you have a business, how do you utilize this with your business? Bro, right? I've learned more on LinkedIn learning than my than UCSB. Like high key. Yeah, I've, it's, uh, it's the it's truth. It's insane, bro. Like return on investments uh, for social media marketing. Like I'm going to learn that at UCSB. <laughs> it's way more important for what I'm trying to do. You know, and the, the weird thing about uh, LinkedIn learning, yeah, I need to, I need to check bro. It out, it's, it's like good. when you have your premium, you also have LinkedIn learning, and it's a bunch of courses. It's so. How cool. long are the courses? Uh, well, how, it depends. I hope, but LinkedIn needs to sponsor me. I'm fucking plugging you, the shit you, out of them. You should. Bro. <laughs> you should ask. But um, bro, networking is so important, especially during the era of COVID. Mm-hmm. But we don't teach it, and it's such a shame, bro. It's uh, leadership. We don't teach leadership. We don't teach how to be a good. Uh, you know, or or even what I what I always say is like you can study four years to be an engineer without having done anything, and then you don't know if you hate it or not, and then you get a job and you fucking hate it. Yeah. Right. So there's no vocational training either, which is kind of weird, especially in the U.S. I think in the, in Europe it's a bit different. But yeah, I mean the African Leadership University is amazing. Fred Swanaker, you should look into it. Okay. I will. Amazing. And I think also it's so um. <laughs> I think in America. Mm. They are taught that you go that if you do A B C then you will get D, yeah. and when you don't get D, mm. you're crushed, Mm-mm. right? And I think same thing in the Arab world, bro. Really? Like it's either you're a doctor or you're a lawyer or you're a, a failure. failure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean like to Isn't be a, a rapper, bro. I don't know what I am right now. I don't no no clue. I, that's why influencer kind of makes sense to me. But like, how do I explain that to to like a sixty year old? Right. I, I would say business owner. <laughs> That's what I would say. I own a business. Now, speaking of music. Yeah, tell me. I heard we're going to hear a little freestyle. Yeah, bro. I would love to. And we have to figure out how, how Josh is going to plug us up real quick. Yeah. Because I want to hear. And I honestly, and I'm not saying this. I, I sent it to my friend, actually. Which um, one? My friend, Joseph. I don't know. No, he, which song? Oh, I sent uh, Jerusalem Freestyle. Yeah, banger. Banger. Yeah, you like it? I like that one, and I like the clip that you posted from uh, Nirvana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the that. second part of the song. It's that you posted on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. Post, like, it was like a minute 30. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fire. Too. Yeah. People need to check yes, that out. Yes, Where, yes, they, yes, they, yes. Spotify, yeah, Apple, Spotify, every, everywhere. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Shout out Adam Hamad. Shout out Henry Morris. Most importantly, shout out Um Kalthum. Hey, yeah. Listen, Adam laid down the road and they feeling it. Follow Sleenies, yeah, we killing it. They tell me that I should go back to my country. You think I wanna be an immigrant? It's in the intentions. That's the difference between us. Your grandfather moved for the money and oil, but mine was just looking for freedom. And I'm not talking about our cousins, I'm talking about the motherfuckers that colonized all of our land and then pinned us against one another. Said I hate when my brothers are hurting. 
I got people they texting me saying they're proud of me I treat that shit like a burden That's how you know that you got it for certain Cause I can't be letting them down I feel like I got a nation on my back And a lot of the time there's people that hate Asking me why do I rap What they don't understand is this shit is way bigger than me And you know that's a fact What they don't understand is what I'm trying to do Is to literally put us on maps I cannot relax yeah. J'en fais mon 4 heures de tes rappeurs préférés You know I be trying to get back to my people So no I can't take a vacation These kids looking up to me I'm on my way to be king of this new generation Ghazawi Falahi Mashrabina Boutout Ida ibnik adakhar alayki bizyada Yemkin imout Bihku anna masakin Bas wallahi fish hada bid'amna Fish had bihib shabna Akhtar min shabna With love from Ghaz And shout out, uh, what I was saying you before, shout out to your Shout producer. out to Adam Hamad and Henry Morris. I, I love you guys. Jad, amazing. Fucking, fucking beat goes crazy. Ah, yes, I'm glad we did that. Bro, to, uh, Let's go. Bro, to wrap things up, mm. man, it's crazy. First of all, I don't even know how, we've been here like an hour 40. Mm. We could talk, I could talk to you for hours and, and I know that um, <laughs> I'm just excited. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think that's more the word when I when I've been seeing um cuz I've known cuz I now I've known you for like a couple of years and obviously I haven't seen you in a while cuz yeah, I yeah. transferred but um it's giving me hope mm. in our younger generation not yeah. just in America but also around the world, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that um I couldn't think of a better person to embrace <laughs> um Thanks, to embrace no but to, for for you to embrace um your people yeah. and to do so with uh kindness and humility and i'm just excited to see where this is all gonna go me too man. you know because i think that you've now and and i was talking about josh this is something that, that i'm trying to do really with my show as well is to grow a a a kind of fan base that wants to see every move you're making yeah. and i think that you're doing a phenomenal job of that already right I th yeah actually and i right. think that um and man you know if you come back here in a year or two years or whenever you come back next to new york i'm i'm even just looking forward to that because i want to i'm i feel like right now i'm a fan on the sideline just looking at <laughs> no but like because i'm I'm just happy to see you Merci, making man. making so making this change and yeah. um and really just helping lives whether you whether you make grand scale change that's everyone always mm -hmm. have their opinions mm -hmm. but you're changing people's lives and for that I am happy for you. Thank you. Man. So thank you. Man, I don't even know what else, you know. I think uh people first of all they need to be able to follow you on they need to know where to follow you at marwan.abh abh uh, on instagram um, on instagram abdul is taken for some reason really yeah, abh well, you'll get that soon yeah um and then where can they find everything at where, where plug everything away um this my if you got like my music is i like my music so you can I, listen on spotify <laughs> and i have a youtube channel that i don't really upload on so Dude, you, you don't should need start to that. i know bro, but it's viral. hard it's hard it is. um tiktok follow me on tiktok <laughs> marwan.abdulhamid and link add me on linkedin Marwan Abdel Hamid. and then grow home yeah you can follow grow home um on instagram it's at grow home app do you guys have a website yet yes but should i yeah fuck it just www.growhome.app 
We have our landing page. People will be able to see it. If you're a diaspora, even if you're not Palestinian, go check it out. Um, I think this is something that is way bigger than Palestine. But we're going to be the pioneers, you know. It's really important for me to be like, to, for Palestinians to see Palestinians succeed. You know what I mean? It's it's so empowering. And so I hope to be um, a pioneer of Palestinian success. And if, and if someone is um, interested in either investing yeah, yeah. whether it be financially or other resources or any kind of whatever yeah, it may just be just hit me up man hit me up or or we also have a linkedin so you can follow us and send us a message there but i am um the founder so you can just directly hey. talk to me <laughs> hey yeah. uh my brother happy to have you on man and it's good pleasure. to see you man i haven't yeah. seen you in a, in a we'll while go we're, we're gonna go get some dinner um thank, thank you everybody. so much thank you